so here we are, science done, uh, episode two. We're going to be looking at diabetes. There are, obviously, uh, as many, many, many people know, two types of diabetes, and they're very conveniently called type one and type two. They are, although very similar, relating to obviously the same aspects of, uh, of humans' health and all animals' health, um, they are significantly different. Now, a lot of people will have an idea about insulin and the vocabulary used, and maybe even ideas about the pancreas and the liver. But there are quite a few things about diabetes that people don't really understand, um, which is quite normal. Although diabetes has been around, um, and in historical records, you can look at um, aspects from like uh, 1,500 years BC, where um, doctors at the time are clearly speaking about um, the effects of diabetes. Now, back in those times, and in fact, until about 150 years ago, uh, diabetes, particularly the type 1, was a significant, significant problem. Um, there was no real treatment to it. Um, people didn't really understand exactly what was causing these problems. What they knew was that the urine of these people who had diabetes was incredibly sweet, full of sugar. Um, so if you had ants, uh, the ants would very much go towards the urine of um, a diabetic person. Um, and in fact, a lot of the old words to describe diabetes refer to uh, the urine and uh, and how sweet it was, and I think the the modern one of the modern words um, in Latin uses the word honey. So it, it's a very very it's a it's something that's been known for a very very long time, and it's only really in recent times, so you're looking at sort of the last hundred years, where treatments uh, have been readily available, and they're developing at a very 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 high rate. Um, Everybody knows about insulin injections and understanding diabetes, and the modern technology is phenomenal. Now, there's an Israeli company uh, that are currently um, in clinical trials for an implant uh, that can be put into your thigh under the skin if you suffer from type 1 diabetes. And now um, you don't need to inject yourself. You just have to keep it under your skin for about two years. And that's its lifespan. And that will hopefully uh, end the process of having to constantly check blood sugar levels and so on. Um, so the technology has advanced, and then, as I say, over the last 100 years, phenomenal, phenomenal advances. But what we're going to do is going to have a quick look at what uh, diabetes is. Now, we do know that there are two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. They are related, but they're very different. Um, the treatment for type 1 is very different from the, uh, the treatment for type 2, because the, the problem biologically within the human is different. Now, it's all to do with blood sugar levels, so blood glucose, really. So whenever uh, glucose is that simple form of sugar, very, very basic form, your blood transports sugars all the way around your body into every single cell because every single cell needs this process called respiration where it breaks open the sugars in re uh, connection with the oxygen um, to release the energy that's stored inside so that it can be transferred and used uh, for your everyday movements. Now, this is fundamental. So your blood carries this glucose, this sugar, around your body constantly. But, obviously, you can't have too much sugar in your blood. If you've ever seen kids or if you've ever eaten loads and loads and loads of sugar yourself, you'll uh, realize you get massive hyperactive, big buzz, and you get a bit shaky, and it goes a bit crazy. But you really, really, really do not want too much blood sugar or blood glucose. It's not very good for you. But equally... You don't want very, very little. If you have too little, then you'll slow down. You've got no energy, and it's a big problem. Now, these glucose, this glucose comes from the food that we eat. It, uh, 
a lot of the carbohydrates and everything, breads, pastas, and rice and everything else, is broken down into its simplest sugar form, which is glucose. Um, that goes into your bloodstream through your guts, again, your intestines, and away it goes around your body. But your body is very aware that you can't have too much and you can't have too little. There's a very, very, very limited band about how much glucose, how much sugar should be in your blood. But your body's, and the human body has evolved over many, many years, and it's really, really very well adapted to it. But sometimes these processes break down. Now, type 1 and type 2 is where this process doesn't work very well. And it, as I say, it's hugely, hugely problematic for the human body if you've got too much glucose in your blood and hugely problematic if you've got too little. But if you can't control that, if you have too much glucose in your blood, there are serious side effects. Um, a lot of, in the past, a lot of diabetics, um, that if they're not controlled well, the, um, there's problems with eyesight, uh, your life expectancy is much, much shorter, and the processes in your body are seriously, seriously affected. Now, uh, glucose is this simple form of sugar, and it's this glucose where all humans get their energy. Um, without breaking down the food and the nutrients that you eat and extracting this simple form of sugar, this glucose, uh, we cannot survive. We've got no energy. Now, obviously, if you eat, um, immediately after you've eaten, your blood glucose rises. You've put all of this food into your body. It's got broken down. The glucose goes into the bloodstream. So you get this spike which is not particularly useful for the human body. Um, now, if you have this spike, you need to do something about it. You need to take some of the glucose out and you need to store it somewhere. Now, what a lot of people think is that this glucose is taken from your body and is stored as body fat, but it's not true. Now, okay, eventually, if you've eaten way too much, it is. But initially, that glucose is removed from your blood and it's put into your liver, first of all, and then put into your muscles. Now, once they're filled up, which takes quite some doing, um, then your body will store it as body fat. Now, your body's very, very, very well adapted to taking all of the nutrients, all the foods that you eat, and putting them in the places that are necessary for use. But as I say, the glucose initially gets stored in your liver, and then it gets moved and stored into your muscles. And then eventually, if those get filled up, it will go somewhere else. So after you spike, uh, after you've eaten, you get this spike of blood glucose. Now, your body knows what level of blood glucose is appropriate for you. And it tries to keep it at that length or that level all the way through the day, regardless if you're doing exercise, if you're eating, whatever you're doing, it tries to keep it. Now, if you eat, it spikes. If you do loads of exercise, that glucose, that's energy, essentially, for the human body. So you use a lot of that sugar. So the, your uh, blood glucose levels, your blood sugar levels will drop during exercise. What that means is when it drops during exercise, you need to put more glucose into your body from the storage that you've got. So that will come from your liver, from your muscles, and so on. If you've eaten and you've got too much in it, you, um, it's, the glucose is taken from the uh, blood and stored up. So you've got this constant battle between too little and too much glucose in your blood. But it's the process of how your body removes or puts back in glucose into your blood so essentially giving or taking away from the energy in your blood, um, is where diabetes comes from. This is the problem. Now, you may have heard of loads of people always say, oh, you know, my hormones. It's my hormones. But what we need to understand is exactly what a hormone is. Now, your body is very complex. There are many, many things with inside it. And it needs to communicate with other parts. So your brain needs to communicate to your stomach, to your kidneys, to your liver. 
parts of your body needs to communicate with other organs. But obviously, we don't speak. Our bodies don't speak an actual oral language. They don't use words, but they do need to communicate. And it's through hormones that your body communicates with each other. So when you think of a hormone, what you need to think about is it's essentially a post-it. Um, one part of the body is written on a post-it. This is your hormone. That hormone is transferred to another part of your body that takes the post-it and reads it so it understands what it needs to do. Without this communication through hormones, the body can't work together and it can't do what it should be doing. So when you think, when somebody's speaking about hormone, all hormones are is the language that your body speaks to each other. So it will communicate different organs through hormones. These hormones are just simple messengers to say to a specific part of your body, can you do this or can you stop doing this? Now with diabetes, what we're looking at essentially, the principal organ or organs is your pancreas, okay, which is very near to your stomach, okay, your liver, okay, and your muscles. Now the pancreas um, is a very, very, very beautiful organ and it produces a couple of hormones. Now, obviously the most obvious one for diabetes is insulin. Now insulin is a hormone, it's a messenger, it's a chemical messenger. So that insulin is a simple message to another part of your body, can you please do something? Now this message, insulin, is, is secreted, is given out by the pancreas and it's specifically to communicate to the liver. Okay, now the liver, um, receives the insulin message and if it receives insulin the pancreas is saying sending out insulin sending its message what it's insulin essentially just says to the liver can you take some sugar out of the blood it's too much it's too much glucose in the blood this is the message can you please take some out now obviously the amount of insulin secreted given out is proportional to the amount of sugar that needs to be released so your pancreas gets uh, sends out its message, sends out its insulin, the liver understands what the insulin is saying, and it takes out the glucose from the blood. Perfect. And it's always at the correct levels. For example, three insulins will remove three bits of sugar, for example. So your liver understands perfectly through that message, through that hormone insulin, what it needs to do. When it receives that message, takes out the glucose, and it stores them, okay, uh, somewhere within the liver or within the muscles. But obviously, the reverse process is true. If there's not enough glucose in your blood, uh, the pancreas will secrete another hormone, which is called glucagon, which not too many people know about and haven't heard of. Um, and it's the opposite message of insulin. Uh, the glucagon tells the liver, we haven't got enough blood sugar. Can you release some from that storage that you've got? And the liver obliges, understands the message. And again, if it's three glucagons, it releases three glucose into the blood, for example. And that's how the body works. It's quite a simple process. It's all based on that pancreas and the pancreas secreting insulin or glucagon to either tell the liver to take sugar out of your blood or to put sugar back in. And that's all hormones do, any type of hormone really. So your, hormone is, your hormones communicate specific ideas to other parts of the body. So what happens then is when you eat food, um, you get this, you, uh, you break it down, you get your glucose, you get a spike. And from that spike, your pancreas reacts, well, it's a bit too much sugar, sends out the insulin, the liver understands the message, that hormone, 
takes a bit of the, takes the appropriate amount of sugar out of the blood and you've got a constant level of sugar in the blood which is good for you if you do loads of exercise your pancreas understands that you're using up too much of the glucose which is essentially the energy in your blood sends out the glucagon says to the liver look we need a bit more the liver understands pops some glucose that is stored in itself back into the blood and you've got that appropriate level so there's this constant battle up and down and everything else now historically um the symptoms of diabetes okay were uh they people would drink a lot so a lot of uh, diabetics they were seen as these people who would drink loads of liquids but it would never be enough uh, always hungry okay and always always weeing they would produce liters upon liters of urine nobody understood why okay this resulted in a lot of uh, loss of weight, uh, being very, very tired, no energy, okay, and feeling very sick. And the life expectancy back in the day of people with diabetes was very, very, very short, very short. But that's type one. So we're going to look at very quickly type one. So we know the process, the pancreas secretes insulin, this messenger, and also uh, to tell the liver to take glucose out, that's after you've eaten. It will secrete glycogen, to tell the liver to put sugar back into your blood if you're doing exercise and you need that more energy. Now that's how most bodies work, but diabetics, type one diabetics, there is a problem with that process. And we're gonna have a quick look or quick understanding of what happens, what breaks down in that process. So we know that the pancreas um, secretes this insulin to tell somebody to take sugar out. Now type one diabetics, they need to inject themselves with insulin because the problem is that their pancreas doesn't produce the correct amounts of insulin. So they need to inject themselves with insulin to effectively tell their liver what to do because their pancreas is no longer communicating in the right way. It's not producing that hormone in the right amounts or at all. And the liver's not doing exactly what it should or doing what it should to the right quantity. So the problem is that the pancreas has broken down. The liver's perfectly fine. It just simply isn't being told what to do. So it won't do what it should. The problem here is that after you've eaten, if you've got type 1 diabetes, your blood sugar will spike and your pancreas will identify that, but it simply can't communicate in the right way to the liver to take that blood glucose out of the blood. What happens here is that your uh, blood glucose spikes and that is a very, very, very dangerous thing for the human body. You do not want too much blood sugar. Really, really, really dangerous. Now, if you continue to have blood glucose levels very, very high because your pancreas won't produce enough insulin to tell your liver to take it out, it has an incredibly detrimental effect on your health. And this is why the, uh, the lifespan of people with untreated diabetes is very, very short. Luckily, we've got modern ideas we've synthesized got chemical um, laboratory produced insulin that works perfectly we could that will send the right message to um, to the liver but um, a lot of type 1 diabetes uh, diabetics they have to actually put uh, the correct amount of insulin into their blood and this is because there is that proportional representation you've got a specific amount of insulin will tell the liver to remove a specific amount of sugar so you have to calculate exactly how much if you inject yourself with too much insulin, it will tell your liver to remove way too much sugar and you have the inverse effect. You have way too little blood glucose in your body and without that glucose, you cannot have energy. And again, that is incredibly negative to the human body. 
So it has to be the correct amount of insulin. This is why you have to measure blood, blood sugar levels, which is why you often see uh, diabetics prick their finger, check the blood levels, and that's to say how much sugar is within it. Um, now, this is uh, a rather... Um, a rather strange way of doing things. You've taken out the pancreas's role and put a human's uh, product in to tell your liver to do something. And this is for type 1 diabetes. Now, for type 2, the problem is not the pancreas. The pancreas is operating very well, produces its insulin. The problem is um, that the liver doesn't understand anymore. Now, type 1 diabetes is genetic you're born with it. There's nothing that you've done for it to happen. It's simply something within your genes. It's, um, it's a problem from birth. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. That's type one. Your pancreas simply isn't producing enough insulin. Biological problem. With type two, your pancreas is fine, uh, producing exactly the right quantities of insulin, doing its job perfectly, identifying how much blood glucose you have, and sending out the right messages sending out the insulin or, or the glycogen in the correct amounts. The problem is that in type 2, the liver has stopped understanding what insulin means and what glycogen means. Now, we know from modern studies that type 2 is caused by really poor lifestyle. Now, obviously, you know, there are some people who can smoke cigarettes until they're 80 years old and have no side effects. Not very many of them. Um, usually, if you smoke for quite a long time, you're going to die a lot earlier than somebody who doesn't smoke. Um, and there are some people who develop type 2 diabetes um, by following exactly the same type of lifestyle as somebody else who doesn't develop type 2. But we know that there is a very, very direct correlation between what you eat, what you drink, the exercise that you do, and the ability or the likelihood of developing type 2 diabetes. Now, type 2 diabetes is something that is caused by your lifestyle. Again, genetically, you might be more susceptible to it, but you, it can be avoided. And certainly, modern research has said that in many, many cases, it can be reversed. So its effects can be stopped through making the correct lifestyle choices. So doing exercise, eating the right foods. The problem, essentially, is doing no exercise, eating way, way, way too much sugar. Very, very basically, which is a problem for the human body. But what happens is, for type 2 diabetics, is that liver just doesn't do what it should do. Um, so although the pancreas is communicating with the liver, the liver is not taking out the sugar um, and it's a huge problem. So the insulin is being produced. The liver's like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not doing anything. Now here, the problem is that you can't remove the blood glucose uh, or sorry, you can't remove the sugar from the blood to the appropriate level. So when you eat with type 2 diabetes, you get a huge spike in blood glucose, but your liver will not remove the appropriate amount because it can't understand the insulin message from the pancreas. So the only thing that you can do is to do exercise to reduce down that blood glucose content or simply modify your diet so you do not have huge spikes in blood glucose. Now, through exercise and through living a healthy lifestyle, type 2 diabetes can be managed and eradicated. This is quite a cool thing. But what happens is that you have two types of diabetes that are very, very different. If you have type 2 diabetes, injecting yourself with insulin has no effect whatsoever because your pancreas 
is actually producing insulin in the correct amount. So injecting yourself with more insulin will have no effect whatsoever. Um, it's simply your liver is, doesn't understand that message. So there's no point. Keep, it's like um, English people abroad. If somebody doesn't speak English and they don't understand, there's absolutely no point just shouting the same words louder and louder. They simply don't understand. So you need to find a new way of doing it. Now, with type 2, the liver simply doesn't understand, so it won't do its job. Insulin is not effective at all. Now, again, for those, um, obviously, um, for the type 2, sometimes they might need um, to do a little bit of running, a bit of walking, to use up that extra glucose they put into their body. But it's the type 1, that genetic uh, diabetes thing that you're born with, you can't escape from. Uh, this is the one that requires you to replace the insulin from the pancreas with an injected message. Now, in modern technology, you've got all of these things that will help you with type 1 diabetes. And I said the, the new developments are incredible uh, to the point where um, once you, if you're diagnosed with diabetes, your life expectancy is almost the same as somebody who is not diagnosed with diabetes. They're incredible. But there are those two types. So the first type, genetic, your pancreas doesn't work. <clears throat> the insulin uh, is just not producing the right quantity. So you get a spikes and you can't do anything very effectively with your blood glucose levels. Type 2, your pancreas is fine. You're producing this hormone insulin in the correct quantities, simply that your liver has stopped understanding through your really poor lifestyle choices. And you get these huge spikes in blood glucose. And the only way to do that is through changing the way you live, doing exercise and eating correctly. And those are essentially the basics of diabetes. And although it seems to be uh, quite prevalent, um, the numbers are not that high, although it's, a, it's something that's been in existence in uh, human history and we've always been able to identify it. Um, but certainly in modern days, with both types, we're now much more able to control them. So hopefully that's been informative um, and that's essentially everything on the basics of diabetes and thanks for listening and uh, hopefully see you for the next episode